tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, 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 we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Welcome to Tinfall Hat. You know who I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to Rock. All right. Join me via the power of Zoom live from Glendale. Xavier Guerrero. What's up? Good weekend, buddy. Good this weekend. Great. Good weekend. Thank you. And on the ones and twos, live from Santa Claus's house, Jay Nice, Johnny Wood. <laughs> What's up, guys? Johnny, you're just fucking banging out those frequent fly- flyer miles, huh? Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm so close to platinum. On for American, like that close. So Johnny couldn't make it this weekend. A lot of people are upset. I had to talk to the masses. I had to calm (laughs) them down. They wanted a riot. I was like, dude, please chill, Bill. Johnny couldn't make it because his fake girlfriend supposedly wasn't feel good. Update: How's she doing? She's fine. She she had a cold for. I guess this is her private medical information, but she had a cold for like a a week or two like a bad cold it wasn't covid uh she was always paranoid that it was covid though she's one of these people who's had it beaten into her that you know you yeah. gotta be terrified of COVID. all sickness is covid yeah and then she got food poisoning like on a thursday Ooh. Or, no no on a friday morning yeah, like thursday night while she had the cold and she's like oh. Oh. she thought for sure she had covid and she was like sick and so i took her to urgent care friday and Johnny, that was like four sleep? hours you... of my life yeah, it was. John, that's why Johnny couldn't make it. Johnny, did you sing to her like I would do anything for love while you were driving her? <laughs> and dude, I she believed me. She, I was, she didn't want love. any of my jokes. Believe me, dude. I, <laughs> she was not there for my jokes. Uh, and then her, her mom came up from San Diego. To, so that's why I got to actually fly out. But she's good now. She's fine. All right. Well, we're happy she's doing well, Johnny. That was great. You were. Yeah, you were I'm sorry I missed it, though. I was very I, I I was still thinking about going like even. But I she would miss fire, bro. She would have crushed fire. my balls. How was it? Yeah, asking was, for Johnny. Conspiracy yeah, everybody's like, where is this Johnny? I'm Maybe like, that's what my girlfriend was doing. She's <laughs> like, oh, I'm not feeling good. You can't. She hates go. that stuff, dude. She hates that. Well, then Johnny's prime meat, bro. Johnny's yeah, prime everyone meat. knows you. Yeah, everyone knows you take. Everybody the wants Johnny. that nerd dork dick, huh? Oh, no, Johnny? I don't. I don't need blue chew. Come on, get real. Johnny doesn't need blue chew. He's got that all American boner naturally, dude. Right, Johnny? They actually get the blue chew from my bloodstream. That's what they. Oh they, shit, I send Johnny! They're tapping you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so so you're saying that blue chew is somewhat of a, a adrenochrome of That's yours, right. where they take your body and turn it into. Things and everybody gets ex- the blood of Johnny. That's exactly that's what I'm why saying. there's the a power shortage? of Johnny is in you. The power of Johnny <laughs> is in you. 
<laughs> nice, John. Exactly Guys, right. a lot of if you missed Long Beach and missed Bakersfield, guess what? We got shows coming up. Super excited about it. Uh, this comes out t- uh, Tuesday morning. Guess what? Tomorrow night, I'm in Redlands, bro. Dropping the hammer of the gods with my boy, Zane and Aaron. Grab your tickets at samtriple.com. February 19th, tickets are moving. Tickets are moving. Grab your tickets to the live, first ever live Conspiracy Social Club's Brian Callum versus Sam Tripoli live debate on stage. We're working on our pay-per-view. And then we're also going to have a live stand-up show. Come get weird. Join us. Again, tickets to samtripoli.com. And then finally, uh, the Hammer of the Gods tour is in full effect. We will be, I will be in New Orleans. Then I will be in Nashville. Then I will be in Jefferson, Georgia. That is, I believe, the 24th, 25th, and 26th of February. Grab your tickets now at samtriply.com. Lots of great premium content. Banging out the best. Bang out the best on rockfin.com. All my content's there. All of Xavier Guerrero's. We don't yeah. smoke the same. Bang, bang, singing. We, we just don't had a smoke. chicken. We just had a Sanria chick that chops off chickens. Come on. So if you're into that shit. Did you chop fucking, a chicken's head off on the show? You got to like pay and be part of the religion. Nah, I'm not I've done that. that. I'm not. I've Johnny, done that. you've done some Santeria chicken chopping. I've executed and butchered chickens. Yes. Not, San, not, for San, not for Santeria, but just for Were you for happy eating. about it? I was a kid, yeah. I remember holding the beating heart of a chicken in my hand. Uh, oh, like they and still you were like, I sad? They still beat after. No, no, I was I was kind of into science and stuff, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Now it would gross me out, and I would vomit. Probably. So, Johnny, was there a moment where you could have gone serial killer? No, dude, it's just when you're on a farm, dude, you grow up around so much death. It becomes routine, man. I think it's probably good for you, but it's you see so much death. So if you want to hear more about Johnny killing animals, go to rockfin.com. Mm, That's yeah. R-O-K-F-I-N.com. $10 a month, you get everybody on the website. There are so many huge names of both the truth or community, spiritual, sp- spirituality, and comedy, all there. Sports as well. $10, everybody's stuff. $10 instead of going to Patreon spending five, 10 on each individual person, $10 no. gets you everybody. Yes. It's the greatest deal of all time. And you know, this woke globalist entertainment is getting annoying, annoying, bam, not on, not on Rockfin. No. The best, of the best are banging. The best of the best are banging. Okay. So go check it out. $10 gets all of our stuff. I got conspiracy social club, Tim Fall hat premium, Broken Sim, First Look, uh, Zero, my spiritual podcast. Oh, we don't smoke the sames on there. And Once in a Blue Moon, Goats, Greatest of All Time are there. <laughs> Who knows if Johnny will ever do it again. Uh, that's all there. T-shirts are available. Great way to support the show. Go to TinfoilHatTshirts.com. TinfoilHatTshirts.com. We're putting up new T-shirts all the time. A great way to support the show. Now. You're like, Sam, there's so many things. I don't know how to right? I don't know how to do any of that. It's real simple. Just go to samtriple.com and you'll find everything you need there. Every banner that you need to click will take you to the Tim Fall Hat t-shirts. We'll take you to my Rockfin shows. All my free, I put out so much free content. Uh, zero, the 
Conspiracy Social Club, zero old episodes. You get to go listen to those. Tim Fall Hat here. Broken Sim just dropped the hammer of the gods. A lot of people already talking about this show. Broken Simulation. We don't smoke the same. You can get that for free. And Punch Drunk Sports, Union of the Unwanted, all there. Just go to samtrude.com. Just start clicking banners, and it'll take you wherever you got to go. And guess what? If you love me, because I love you, I got a 24-hour radio station going all the time on there. You can listen to all of it. It's a fun, fun place to get freaking weird, fun and weird. You can also join the Telegram. Click the Telegram link. Takes you right to the Telegram group where fire is happening every day. Because you know what? I can't drop bombs anymore on social media because they're getting rid of daddy all the time. Just Facebook locked me out for like a week recently. Just locked me out. They're like, oh, we don't know that telegram ain't no joke. I'll log on for like two hours or a couple hours and it's 500 messages. Yeah. So if you're looking for any crazy bam, shit in your world deep, deep down the rabbit hole, it's right there. Go join it. So anything else, guys? No, that's it. Guys, I hope you can join us on that. I hope you can see us live because they these are banger shows. Banger, bro. Bangers. Okay. And I hope you enjoy this really great episode with Don Jeffries talking about his, his new book, uh, on Borrowed Fame, Money, Mysteries, and Corruption in the Entertainment World. Enjoy the show. Go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Uh, all right so let's get into it now very excited to have our returning champion back he is a uh he's an author he is a radio host he is a blogger he's the uh jamie he's the jamie fox digital (laughs) digital (laughs) digital content he does it all he's got a new book coming out on borrowed fame money mystery and corruption in the entertainment world please welcome don jeffries how are you brother Hey, it's great Don, to be back, thank Sam. you so Thanks much for, for joining me. us. Uh, I'm really excited. I've enjoyed our conversations in the past, and I know this one's going to be a great one because this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. For those who may not be familiar with your uh, last, I think you've been on the show twice, at least. I know you might have done Union of the Unwanted as well. So uh, for those yeah. who may not be familiar with you and your radio show and your books, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, I've written uh, On Borrowed Fame. It's my sixth non-fiction. It's my sixth book, uh, Hidden History, uh, an expose of modern crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups in American politics. is still my bestseller. It's my first non-fiction book. Uh, still doing really well. Uh, uh, it's prequel, uh, Crimes and Cover-ups in American Politics, 1776-1963, at a forward by Ron Paul. Uh, it's done very well as well. I wrote Survival of the Richest, which has a forward by Naomi Wolf. And I also, also wrote Bullyocracy, about uh, bullying in school. So I, I write about other subjects, but most people want to talk about the uh, conspiracy. So it's fair, a lot of stuff going on there. I think, Don, you were very early on, I think you were calling out Trump before a lot of people were calling out Trump. Uh, you know, I think it. I think if you've gone down this road long enough, you don't get fooled by hope and, uh, you know, the, the belief that a white knight somehow made it to the top <laughs> of this incredibly uh, corrupt system. Um, so as we enter 2022, 
and we start to see what's going on. Then I want to get into your book. But what are your thoughts on what's happening right now, just uh, across the spectrum, whether it's government, pop culture, uh, America in general? Like, what are your thoughts? Well, it's it's pretty it's an apocalyptic time. I mean, uh, it's hard to escape that uh, to the feeling that we're at you know the end time for whatever reason. At least in terms of America, any kind of a nation, we're certainly no longer a first world nation. I call us the wealthiest banana republic in the world. Uh, we, we become a laughing stock, and uh, our I mean, you know, you go from Trump did uh, his rhetoric, you know, had a lot of us enticed. Well, including me, and I've been around a long time. His revolution, his rhetoric was revolutionary. But you know, once you get in office and you start naming the kind of people around you that he did, and you just, it ended up being all tweet, no action. He, tw- he tweeted a strong game. If he had, if he had governed like he tweeted, it would have been great. But he just, he just tweeted. I mean, on Twitter he was king, but uh, he never really did much at all. Certainly, he looks better in retrospect. Even just, just having him here tweeting would be much better than what we have now, obviously. But so we, we are now, you know, we, we've reached, we sunk to, to the absolute bottom. When you have people that are, you know, the Rachel Levines of the world and people like this that are, that are running government. And uh, that's what that's where we are now. We've allowed this to happen. And you can see, you know, you mentioned before the show uh, about uh, Neil Young and the recent uh, controversy on Spotify with Joe Rogan and everything. You know, this is this is the left, and I come from the left. This is where the left is now. The left absolutely loves, I mean, they just, they embrace it. They're orgasmic over, over a censorship. They just love it. I, and this week, I guess somebody wanted to ban To Kill a Mockingbird, which is probably every female baby boomer that was born in the 50s and 60s favorite book of all time. I mean, they love that book. So I guess it, it struck some accord within them. So suddenly now they're against censorship. But in a lot of the posts I read about it, they said, why don't we censor the Bible? So they're still suggesting censoring something. They can't, why not just say, you know, let's just not censor, period, but they can. That's why it's, Neil Young, I mean, I listen to a lot of his music, you know, and, and, and that's from my era. Uh, but Joni Mitchell was really disappointing. She jumped on and she was one of my absolute favorites. And it's, it's really a sad day when you have people like that who are have a hard enough time selling their music. And I, you know, in On Borrowed Fame, I talked about this, where, you know, Spotify is one of the many streaming services that gives the artists nothing. They get nothing. So I don't know what Neil Young thinks, you know, he's giving up. I mean, maybe, you know, 20 bucks a month or something. Maybe I don't, that's about <laughs> what he's getting. I can guarantee you from that. So, but it's, it's sad to see people like that who were rock and roll rebels and now they're just embracing the establishment. But that's the left today. The, the left loves censorship. And that's one of the, the, you know, the seminal issues that we face today is you believe in freedom of speech or not. I'm a civil libertarian. Not many of us left. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll defend to your dying day, whatever you're saying. I don't have to agree with it. But, you know, free speech means nothing if it doesn't mean all speech. If I, if I, I totally don't def- agree. Yeah, I mean, but none of these, the leftists don't agree with that. I mean, you have people like Glenn Greenwald that are good, my friend Naomi Wolf. There's a few out there. Uh, Cynthia McKinney, my friend, uh, Cindy Sheehan, another friend. They're good people still, Jimmy uh, Dore, you mentioned, but not many. And it's uh, that's a sad thing because they're in charge. And conservatives have, also, have always, you know, kind of been react. They react. That's why they call them reactionary. So they don't have any answer either because you know they want to, you know, as soon as Donald Trump started a social media platform, what are they talking about? I mean, they, they will, if they criticize Trump too much, they'll censor you, just like they censor the conservatives. So 
gotta have some consistency there. Hey guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Movement, okay? Movement.com. Listen, Valentine's Day is already around the corner, and we know finding the right gift is super stressful, okay? That's why our friends over at Movement Watches have already done the hard work for you on their huge statewide sale, all right? Movement is a Valentine's Day favorite with timeless watches, 18 karat fine jewelry pieces and special edition styles like rare chromatic watches and bracelets, okay? You can save on these gifts right now. Just choose a watch and simply matching accessory and get an an immediate 20% off your order plus free shipping and free returns always. Dude, my boy Xavier Grail has got the fattest watch. We got these badass glasses. I love their style. They are cool. Look at that. They got an eight-year watch, which looks like an eight ball to me. I'm all about that action, dude. Look at that, dude. That's fine craftsman. Listen, everyone's got a, a clock on their phone, but real G's move in silence. They wear watches, okay? It's real simple, dude, and I love it. Enjoy a stress-free Valentine's Day by curating the perfect watch plus accessories gift for a special discount. All in one, one and done, gifts made easy, okay? Better than chocolate, better than flowers. These gifts, these are gifts that last, okay? And you can get them and wear them every day. It's that simple. So here's what we're going to do. Shop 20% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash tinfoil, okay? Go to mvmt.com slash tinfoil for your most stress-free Valentine's Day gifting yet, okay? MVMT, okay? Join the movement. I want to get in your book uh, in a moment, but I I want to ask you this question because it's kind of something I've been talking to a lot of people across my 4,000 podcasts I have. And the the question is, we're talking about the death of the American empire, how it is crumbling right now. What does that mean to you? Because I think when the average person thinks that the empire has come to an end, they think we're going to go right to, you know, uh, zombie land, uh, uh, everything's just going to be escaped from New York and all this craziness. And part of me goes, maybe this isn't such a bad thing in the sense that I think that, you know, if we take a look at like when Trump tried to false flag us into, uh, you know, going to war with Iran and he's like, they attacked our drones and everyone's like thoughts and prayers to the drones family, but we don't care. And then, you know, and now you have the Ukraine and we have uh, Biden who is on the other side of spectrum and doesn't seem like he can get any, any kind of uh, a movement to go into sending our sons and daughters to fight over a, a, an area where let's face it, most people couldn't find the Ukraine on the map. So I think when we talk about the end of the empire, there is going to be a very clunky, very, uh, uh, very uh, like, I don't know if the word is violent, the best thing to say, but there's good. We're going to go through something. Right. But what does that mean to you when we hear the end of the American empire? Well, I think, you know, the American empire, since it exists as it existed, it probably, began to dissipate a long time ago right right now i you know i look at the the end of america as uh really as as any kind of civilization 
And all you've got to do is look at the, the last couple of years. So once, and I, you know, people talking about war and everything. I've uh, several months ago, I, I said we are in World War Three. People just don't realize it, and it is a world war because it's happening all over the world in every country, and it's basically the governments of every country are waging war against the people in the name of COVID restrictions, lockdowns, mandates, you know, you do what we say. And uh, so I think we are in World War III. So I think they're going to have a hard time uh, going away from that because they've, they've put all their resources into this, this COVID narrative, which never apparently is going to end. We're on two years now. And uh, to, to do go back to kind of the old fashioned way of where we're going to go send troops to defend somebody else's border while our own border is wide open and we do nothing about that at all but let's go we have to protect the ukrainians border i don't know if that's going to fly and i'm not sure what's happening there i'm not i don't really think and if you notice um the ukrainian president came out himself and just basically said it was much ado about nothing he wasn't he said i don't you know i don't think anything's going on with russia i don't know and basically told you know uh castigated biden and them for being alarmist so apparently we're more upset about that than Ukraine, the Ukrainian president is. So uh, I, you know, as far as I just look at it like we we have completely collapsed as, as, as a culture, as a civilization, you know, as anything functioning. If you look what happened back in the, uh, the summer of uh, 2020, when you had the riots all across the country, the Black Lives, all order, law and order collapsed. There was nothing. You you had a, a guy who was never prosecuted. And I, I'll guarantee some kind of out of work actor, crisis actor, or not the guy that was playing the warlord armed with an Uzi in Seattle. They took over what two or three blocks in Seattle. They had deaths. Uh, no one was allowed into. It was like a war zone. The authorities did nothing. They, I mean, they stood down. I mean, you can't have that. You can't. Have, you saw all the statues that were torn down. Eventually, Trump got incensed about Andrew Jackson or something, and finally, you know, finally he stopped doing it. But up until that point, they had torn down a bunch of them, and they, and they just, you know, again, showing their incredible ignorance. They were tearing down statues of Columbus, and uh, you know, uh, I think uh, was it uh, Frederick Douglass? I mean, you know, they, they just they just wanted to tear down any statue they saw because they're destructive. But you can't have that. And I, you know, I'm hardly a law enforcement guy. I've been so critical of the police, but. You have to have some kind of order, but when they allowed those riots to go on, all those burnings, the fire departments didn't show up. Those burnings, uh, those buildings burned. Uh, you had, you know, mass uh, looting, things going on. What did that result in? It not only did nothing, but now you have process, you have, uh, in uh, places all across the country, including California, they basically legalize shoplifting. I mean, if you if you shoplift under a thousand dollars, which I assume that's a daily thing, so it. If I'm a poor guy, I would probably go to the stores every day and shoplift like $999 worth of stuff. And I, I do being doing pretty well, right? But you can't have a society. So I think, and, and the one good thing about the, uh, the pandemic, as I call it, that uh, people like Lori Lightfoot and uh, Gavin Newsom were kind of unknown before. People didn't really, uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, I don't think people realized how bad the leadership was at all levels. But when you started seeing the Lori Lightfoot, you have people, this is who's ruling your cities. These are, these are people who are in charge. So they came in, they're like roaches that, you know, were brought out into the light. And I, it opened in my eyes, you know, it, it opened the eyes of the people that are awake, you know, the people that are asleep, they apparently just, you know, it's going to wake them up. But 
So I look at it as beyond that. I, I don't know if it will ever get to anything as interesting as Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, but uh, I think we could get to the point where uh, I get to the point where maybe they won't literally even just in, as a matter of incompetence, they won't be able to keep the power on. In my area last month, you know, we had, uh, uh, you know, a relatively, I think it was a foot of snow, close to a foot of snow. But it should be debilitating. But, you know, I-95 here is one of the, you know, one of the biggest highways, it's the biggest highway in our area. And 50 miles of it was shut down for 24 hours. And it, including, yep. it even included an American Congressman. And it was so bad, it actually, the media actually criticized them a little bit, which they never do. But this is what I've been talking about for a long time is that, um, you know, when I write about history, corruption was real, conspiracies were real, always had been. But the, the difference is up until maybe the 90s, there was, there was a competence about it. They were thoroughly corrupt, but they plowed the streets, you know, when it snowed. The power didn't go off unless, you know, something really devastating. But you could count on some things. There was, a, there was a, some kind of an order. It's the old, the old uh, you know, chestnut about the, the trains ran on time. The trains did run on time then. Now the trains don't run on time. You don't know when the power is going to go off. Uh, if it snows, you know, they'll, they'll leave 50 miles of the biggest highway in your area, and they won't even attempt to plow it. And now you had, our governor was bragging about it and saying how great. So that's, you know, we, we just need the biggest vacuum cleaner in the world to vacuum out. And I, I don't, I say that I think it's beyond any kind of, at this point, it's beyond any kind of earthly way for us to cure it. I think you have to have your faith. Only a supernatural force at this time, I believe, could possibly clean up the kind of corruption we see because it's at every level. I mean, from dog catcher on up, I mean, it's thoroughly corrupt. These shady ass dog catchers, they're out there. <laughs> I, I know a couple of them, and That's they right. are shady. But, That's you know, right. I, and then you, you know, I've been talking about this. You know, I have cousins. Uh, my grandfather was in law enforcement. You know, my, my great uncle, who I was named after, uh, died in World War II in Germany at 21 years old. I've had family in both law enforcement and in the military. Uh, so my support of them is very strong, but I have problems with their leadership straight up. So if you take a look at from Kennedy, we got Kennedy getting assassination, assassinated. We have 9-11. We have two elections that we know of stolen. Uh, we have just corruption at the highest level. And no one's gone to jail for anything. The CIA gets busted selling crack in the in the in uh, our our ghettos, uh, destroying our black communities. You know they were a big part of the fabric of our our country. And Oliver North takes the fall when we know that Oliver North was just a, a pawn. So the question is like. Where's the law? Where, where's the law enforcement on this? We have, you know, you brought up earlier all these BLM Marxists burning down, burning down uh, middle and lower class businesses and neighborhoods. We now suddenly have a spike in crime. Everyone's losing it. Why? Because they're going into Nordstroms in Beverly Hills and robbing now. That now we got it. So you know, we had the Democrats in Los Angeles taking, you know pulling $150 million from the LAPD uh, budget. Now, now that they're in Beverly Hills, Gavin Newsom just sent $300 million. So we're seeing this like 
What I believe, and this is how we're going to get into your book, because I think it's very important to have this conversation. We are now seeing the the illusion go away uh, of that this kind of um, uh, punk rock, you know, all these anti-establishment people and where they weren't really even anti-establishment anymore. They were just fitting a narrative that was being pushed, you know, you very much get into the civil rights movement. I mean, right before Martin Luther King gets assassinated, what is he talking about? Class wars, right? right We're getting right. into class wars, and then they take him out. And who steps in the void? The guy on the balcony who pushed him, basically dragged him to the to the hotel, and basically in court admits steps aside so there's a cleaner shot. This guy now weaponizes the civil rights movement. It's no longer about class movements, but now it's black versus white. And we have this whole narrative going on, which leads us into where we are right now. The Spotify war that is going on between Joe Rogan, who is just interviewing doctors, which is supposedly what the left is all about. You know, I listen to the science. I listen to the doctors. Now it's not even about facts. Now it's about vaccine hesitancy. Okay. So now we have all this vaccine hesitancy going on and everybody's losing their skulls because you take their own rules and you beat them at it. And then they have to change the rules on you. And we see like just the death of late night talk shows, the death of all these television channels. And then it makes you wonder if, if you're losing money, how come you keep doing the same thing? Okay, now we got BlackRock and, uh, you know, environmental, social governance, getting fed money and basically bailing out everybody that are putting out this woke stuff. So I don't know where you want to begin, but I think it's very important because we are now in, an, in my opinion, an era of authenticity. And I do not know how these these bankers, these these globalists buy their way out of it. I mean, they want a little bit because he did have to do a disclosure. Now he has to give a warning on the beginning a disclaimer. of every podcast or a disclaimer. A disclaimer. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but that just says we're going to talk about COVID. I mean, like it, it is Spotify acquiescing to some yes. some of those the pressure coming at them. But at the end of the day, it's like you got Jimmy door basically calling the Clintons pedophiles. I mean, two years ago, Jimmy door would call you a crazy person. If you were talking about that, we have more and more people coming out and it's like, how do they stop the, the dam from leaking? I just don't see how you can't throw money at this because their narrative is instantly smell. Uh, you smell it and you reject it. In my humble opinion, your thoughts, Don. Yeah. I mean, I was saying you, you said uh, it's not about money and that's, that's the most incredible thing. And I started now I wrote my book, Survival of the Ridges, and I showed how there are always bigger agendas. You know, we think of capitalism about the profit motive, and certainly that exists. And the people at the top are, you know, sinfully wealthy and they're 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 taking the lion's share at the expense of everyone else. But there are always other agendas. You look at ESPN over the last several years, they're they're almost dead. They've lost so many, you know, millions of subscribers over their absurd woke politics and, you know, going away from sports and injecting, you know, social commentary in there, they don't care. They literally don't care. And so that's the problem is that uh, YouTube, YouTube cancels, first of all, when they canceled Alex Jones, 
that was, a, you know, like a Lexington and Concord moment because he was the biggest name in the conspiracy world. Think what you want of them. You, know, you can think bad or good. It doesn't matter. He has a huge following, millions of people. So once they were able to cancel him, and I, you know, I was defending because I defend everybody. And uh, I was on InfoWars once way back in the day, you know, when Hidden History first came out. They never had it back on, but I was on once and they sold a lot of my Hidden History book. But uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I have nothing against Alex. I have lots of criticism as well, but it wouldn't matter because it was Sam Tripoli, whoever. I, I'm going to defend. Nobody should be canceled just because, uh, you know, their views are is, was it misinformation or disinformation. You can't have a First Amendment and say something is misinformation. Yeah, we can think and say, yeah, that's BS. It's not true. But somebody is, is certainly what these doctors are saying or the people saying is not misinformation or disinformation to most of them. We understand that it's, it's an alternative view that's actually telling you facts you're not getting in, in, your, in your mainstream media. Once they were able to cancel Alex Jones, I remember getting into arguments online defending him. Oh, that's crazy. He's crazy. Sandy Hook and all this stuff. It doesn't matter anything. They got rid of the guy and he had a huge, if it was about money, he was YouTube's maybe most popular person. I mean, you know, his you know, news used to get tons and tons of views. That's where I used to watch it there. So you did that. And then and it eventually trickled because, you know, once they start, first they came for the liberals, you know, the old World War II analogy that the left used to, to love. I, I they don't care about it anymore, but eventually it seeped down to uh, like most of the biggest platforms I had over the years were uh, people like SGT Report uh, and, and, you know, that, that had like close to a million subscribers. I, there were several of those types on and they eventually got to them and they made a clean sweep. They just took them off. So they're not there anymore. And, uh, you know, YouTube, they celebrate it. Now they can't be doing as well Whoever they replace those people with, they're not getting close to a million subscribers. Who's ever talking about cats or whatever? I, I don't think that that's going to happen. So it's not about money, and uh, that's what you're you're seeing increasingly. And uh, you know, people like uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, people that are irrelevant now. And again, they were, they were certainly Joni Mitchell, especially was great in her time, but it's it's terrible to see them um, blacken their name. And ruin their legacy. You know, has this country ever regained its sanity? Which it probably won't. But if it does, then you know, people like that will be scoffed at, and everybody that supported this will be lampooned. And I think you know, seen as Benedict Arnold types because uh, they brought about the downfall of America. Everybody that supports this, thing, whether it's uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's about COVID or anything else. Whether you're you know, you're being canceled for anything. I, I you know. I remember when they first started talking about hate speech, I was one of the few people out there that said, you know, there's no such thing as hate speech. You know, hate speech contradicts free speech. It's inconsistent with it. Hate is a human emotion. You know, we all hate things. You can't just, but by saying that arbitrarily that, you know, then it becomes, but that's the basis of identity politics. It's about emotion. It's how, how does it make me feel? I'm upset. I'm upset that those people in the MAGA hats are, are storming the Capitol. And of course, we know the same people that sat by and did nothing with BLM when you had real burnings of buildings, you had real, you know, arson, you had real murder that went on, people died. Uh, lots of property was destroyed, cops were attacked, no one was prosecuted. But here on January 6th, you had a, a bunch of virtually, except for undercover government agents, the rest of them were, I mean, I know one woman, a friend of a friend who was a retired uh, police officer that was in the Capitol was arrested for being armed with a tambourine. 
seriously, that's the kind of weapons they could find. They couldn't find a single gun. They, they were even, they were so well behaved. They stayed within the purple ropes. Well, they wanted it to be way worse. You know, they wanted to go way yes, worse and it just course. did not happen. It no. just did not happen. And, you know, you bring up some really great points. So like, if we look at like what we are taught history, I, I don't, believe we're taught real history we're taught a narrative that they want us to know and um so if we look at it like real history hold on one second guys i want to tell you about my friends at trade coffee that's right let me tell you something 90 percent of the coffee that comes from grocery stores is actually stale that's right you heard it the coffee you know and you think you love needs an upgrade okay instead of rebuying the same old coffee let trade coffee send you something freshly roasted that we guarantee literally guarantee you will love okay trade sells the freshest roast and ethically sourced beans from america's best independent roasters okay they ship free to you as often as you like whole or ground whether you're a coffee nerd or just want a better cup of coffee trade real coffee ex trades real coffee experts taste over 400 roasts and use techno technology to match you to your ideal coffee base on your preferences and brewing methods take a take a coffee quiz to get started trade coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free come on man <laughs> I like it all, dude. Look at this. I'm drinking some Trey coffee right now. Mm. I like it bold, black, real black, dark, dark, black, right? I'm all about that. Ice. I'm a coffee addict. What do you like, Xavier? I like it ice. No more drive throughs for me. Ice. What are you? Ice. Come on. What are you? Oh, God. Yeah. You are from California, guys. <laughs> you are from Cal. Okay. Right. The subscription is non hassle. Skip, skip shipments, change your frequency, or cancel at any time. Okay. Just take, just take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag. Guarantees. Okay. So for our listeners, here's what we're doing. All right. Right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com slash tinfoil. To get started, just take a quiz at drinktrade.com slash tinfoil and start your journey to the perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash tinfoil for $20 off your first three bags. I have a real quick question for you, Don. What? Sure. See, I'm I'm also someone who enjoys so much of that music from that period, and sure. Rogan kind of did a little hat tip to this really subtly. People like Neil Young. I mean, they sing songs like "Keep on Rocking in the Free World." What is it right. about? What is it about the men and women, the artists of that era, that they can't see the hypocrisy inherent in what they're doing now? It seems because it seems to me there's something that they have in common that that kind of made them it, with a few exceptions like Eric Clapton and Van Morrison and those guys right. made right. them kind of turn their backs on everything they fought for in the sixties and seventies. Well, most of them, most of them, again, they all came from the left and the left at the time, you know, as a teenager, when I was first becoming politically aware, that's what attracted me uh, was that left, yeah. you know, the left of civil libertarianism, man, I stand up for pure free speech. Uh, I'm against capital punishment. I'm for prison reform. I'm against war. I'm pro peace. Uh, I, I want, you know, I want to help poor people. I want to redistribute wealth. 
helped my reason to go to the left for reform. We obviously need, there's lots of bad things going on. We need to reform the legal system and the medical system. All, it, it's all corrupt. But that left is gone. The left today, that because the woke left, so people, Neil Young, Johnny Mitchell, to become relevant, they, they think they're scoring points by doing something like this. Okay. Because they're jumping on the vaccine bandwagon. So if they did something like, you're not going to see any of these old leftists uh, jump on and say, uh, you know, if, if you uh, if you if you send troops to the Ukrainian border, I'm I'm withdrawing my music. Well, that's what, <laughs> that's the position that's the position they would have had 50 you know some years ago, but they don't because the left has changed. The left is authoritarian now. The left doesn't remotely believe in free speech. The left doesn't care about war peace. In fact, they they, they want to demonize Russia, which is ironic. Because for all those decades, they covered up for you know any kind of influence the Soviet Union had when it really was a, a you know, government that was that was uh, invading countries and, and taking over lots of uh, lots of parts of the world. They covered that up. They excused it. Oh, we must have detente. We can't. And I I wouldn't have gone. I would, didn't want to go to war with them. But it's ironic that now that you have uh, Russia's attempting to come, uh, you know, Putin is attempting to make them kind of a Christian nation. I mean, he's, you know, he's paying Russians to have babies and stuff. And I think that interferes with them too, because the, the authoritarian left is a pro-death culture. So they, they just want death in all its forms. So they hate birth. They absolutely hate birth. They look at it as a tragedy. Oh my God. You're bringing a, you know, a, a child into the world where, so somebody like a Putin is paying people, especially white births. You're talking about Russia. Oh my God, they're bringing another white kid in the world. So he did that. And I believe that's one of the main reasons he's despised. You have the same thing going on in Hungary. Hungary's got a kind of the government like that, too. It's urging its people to have kids uh, to return to uh, traditional values. And that's the left has just become, you know, it's become this uh, nightmarish, uh, you know, cartoonish caricature of, uh, of wokeness. And, you know, I think it's best exemplified by where you actually see that they're, they're they're literally claiming that men can have babies, and if you if you say that's insane, which it is, you're canceled and you're fired. I mean, you have a corporation like Apple just put out a thing with a picture of a pregnant man. I mean, how do you how can you possibly have any kind of intelligent dialogue with people that believe that? But that's where we are, and that's why you have transgender story hours and the 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 the, uh, the reaction on the part of this absurd authoritarian government is to declare parents who question that, say this is ridiculous, I'll to call them domestic terrorists. So that's, that's what we have to worry about now because there's a new domestic terrorism division of the Justice Department and they may want to put millions of us into those FEMA camps that have been you know unoccupied since the 80s, uh, just like we had the political prisoners that have been held, some of them since January. And the fact that they're there Still, and almost nobody outside of a handful of congressmen and Tucker Carlson here and there, it's, it's shameful. I mean, every Republican in Congress, if they were actually an opposition party, the Democrats, yeah. would be outraged. They're There's not. a lot going on here, man. There's a lot going on. And it's basically when you have the like the Unabomber and Malcolm X both saying that the, you know, rich white liberals are the dangerous, most dangerous animal. 
And you kind of take a look at like, you know, I grew yeah. up in the 70s. I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s. And you saw, you know, like, remember all the old jock movies where yeah. all, all the jocks were, were pushed around the nerds? Those were yeah. rich kids, those yeah. jocks that were yeah. causing chaos to people. You remember they were at the country club. They wear the sweaters over yeah. their neck right. like that. So now we fast forward to the... To the, to the 2010s and the 2020s, the rich kids are now all the social justice warriors. They're all the same people. They're just coming from the other side of the spectrum, depending on how they've been manipulated. But they're all the same people. They're such rich kids. And they live in an idealistic world because reality hasn't effed it out of them, okay? And they push a narrative that can't possibly work but it doesn't matter because the results don't matter it's it's the it's the fight or flight that they got now they're fighting against coronavirus and they're <laughs> fighting against racism and it like gives them a reason to get up in the morning because their lives have been so easy they have no fight and what they don't realize and they're gonna realize it at some point and you can't tell them this because they'll lose their skull they're useful idiots. It's what Stalin said. They're doing the work of the people in power and they don't realize it. And they're calling for censorship. What they don't realize is they will eventually come around and nip them because that's what it was. And the censorship used to come from the right to the left, whether it was lifestyles, interracial dating, single mothers, women in the workforce. That was all censorship from the right to the left. And now they're doing it the other way, but they don't realize that once they've succeeded in completely destroying the nuclear family and the fabric of the country, they will be swept up next and because if you take a look at china you take a look at russia you take a look at anything that started out as marxism and moved into communism who do they always go with who do they always go after always they go after minorities gays and women look at in china dude they killed off more baby girls Yes. Then men who died in all the world wars collectively, right? You know, they openly are prejudiced against blacks in China. It's yes, open, yes. yes, open, and women are treated like second class. I mean, and then you had you had like three hundred and fifty different ethnic groups in China. They're down to fifty, with the one being the majority, like ninety percent of the people in China. It happens all the time and they have no clue about history because they're too busy crying on TikTok and Snapchat and just putting out bottom barrel entertainment. They don't get it, man. Like we got like we got to equality where gays can marry, inter, people are fine with interracial, all that stuff. And it's not enough. Now they got to go deeper and deeper to the point where they want to wear makeup and a wig and read to your kids. Why do you want to do that? Just because you're you're being funded to do it. They take the crazy, the town crazy, and they put them on CNN or they Twitter promotes them or Instagram promotes them. And everybody thinks this is what everybody thinks. And it's not. It's just one cuckoo crazy who's been heavily funded and given a microphone and an amplifier. And that's what they're doing. And they don't understand that's going to come back around. It's going to come back around. I mean, like, let's take a look at, like, what happened with Laurel Canyon. Like, you had this hippie movement, uh, Charles Manson, all these people, CIA, FBI, 
funded. All these kids were all military brats that were pushed forward by the apparatus to bring culture to a certain direction. And who gave us LSD? Yeah, Grateful Dead. Sure. Well, well, and well, but you know, you know who had the biggest LSD stash in the country at one time? Alan Mullis. CIA was CIA was was very involved. That so yeah, and you know. Uh, I was very uh, indebted to the late, great Dave McGowan for his book, Weird Seeds Inside the Canyon, uh, which is, uh, you know, I used, I quote from quite a bit in On Bar and Fame. But, uh, you know, it's, if you look at there, there's so many misconceptions about the entertainment industry just in that area alone. For instance, Charles Manson, you mentioned Manson. Manson has been represented as this uh, crazy, uh, insane uh, guru who had this magical power over women or something. And it was staying at the Spawn Ranch uh, which uh, it's old, old guy who you would think would hate hippies just that owned it, uh, just happened to let all these hippies stay there rent free. Pretty, pretty magnanimous guy. Now, the suggestion has been made maybe he was, you know, got sex from the girls. I don't know. I, you know, he was, he's pretty old. So I don't know. But, but uh, Manson, if you look, and I have a quote ironically from Neil Young in On Borrowed Fame, a glowing tribute to how great Charles Manson's music was. Manson was right in that crowd. He could have been one of the monkeys. He could have been in Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. He came from that same milieu. He was partying with all these people. He wasn't this demented guy. He was an aspiring musician, and he was probably every bit as talented as many of them. He, they could have easily built him up into a singer-songwriter and signed him to Asylum Records and, and uh, cleaned him up, and, and, and you know he could have sold millions of records, but uh, they had other plans for him, you know, and and that's, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible to look at the backgrounds because, you know, you'd think that some musicians would come from uh, a family that didn't involve a father that was, a, you know, a general or a big intelligence official or something, but apparently they all came from that. And one thing I noticed, uh, and I think McGowan raised the point first, and I never thought about it, but all of those rock and roll stars in the 60s and 70s, they were especially the 60s they were prime military drafting age they a bunch of them should have been over in vietnam i don't have any I mean, none of them were i mean how did they all escape the draft and they they didn't go to jail they were still putting out their music these guys were all age to be drafted and i, I you never know thought about that yeah it, I, I didn't either but i mean this doesn't make any sense but i mean and that's something that everybody should question but people don't question anything but the uh that's why on Bard Fame it really wasn't that much of a departure for me writing it because uh, it has the same kind of corruption that you find in government and everything. In fact, I, I, the only other industry besides the entertainment world that can compete with uh, Hollywood and the show business in general in terms of a body count, in terms of you know incredible deaths that make no sense at all, unnatural that are never explained. Many of them just even ridiculous explanations that nobody, least of all their family, should accept, uh, is, is the world of politics. Politics and show business have a lot in common. So you have a Hollywood body count that's like the Clinton body count. The same kind of stuff. Alleged, you know, alleged suicides that obviously aren't. Accidental falls off of buildings. You know, things that don't happen to, you don't have that happen in the insurance business or, you know, construction industry or anything like that. But it happens in those two, and there's no other, no other industry in the world where you're going to get things like you know Graham Natchez, who was another guy I liked a lot. You know, his ex-girlfriend, you know, found stabbed to death fifty some times in a bush or something. 
if one of if my ex-girlfriend looks, I mean, first of all, I would probably come under a lot of scrutiny, but I would be mortified myself. Like what that? Wow. But I mean, it's, it's par for the courts out there. And so it's, uh, when you look at it, at, at, you know, whether it's, you know, Bobby Fuller, Bobby Fuller four, I fought the law and the law one or the law one with him or somebody won with him, you know, his body's found, you know, the burned out automobile, gasoline poured down his throat and the authorities first tried to say it was suicide. And th- you get that all the time, you know, Marilyn Monroe, John Belushi, Natalie Wood, uh, John Lennon, all these deaths. I mean, if you, if you just scratch the surface, like with John Lennon, you know, I just did a little bit of digging and you know, the doorman at the Dakota building, was the guy Jose Pordormo, who went back to, he was friends with Frank Sturgis. He was in the exact same group that Oswald, all these people were at the time of the JFK assassination. What is he doing years later as the doorman at the Dakota apartment building? Out of place. And those kind of things, if you had real investigators, that's the first thing they, wait, what is this guy doing here? You know, he was like a top police official in pre-Castro Cuba. You know, what do you, why did you decide to take the job as a doorman? And I've tried to find out when he became the doorman. That's significant. I doubt he was there for that long before he was killed. It's my guess. But uh, I don't think he worked there for 20 years or anything like that or 10 years or whatever. But that's the kind of thing, if you look, you look at the connections between uh, uh, people like, like that and, and, and the World Vision uh, International that has connections to both John Hinckley and Mark David Chapman. John Hinckley's father was president of that organization, and Mark David Chapman just happened to be a member of it, and other people that you can tie into as well. So uh, these are the questions that I call them court historians. They don't ask. Just like we have journalists out now, instead of asking the questions about the absurd you know, COVID narrative and how dishonest it is, they, they just demonize it. They just call disinformation, misinformation, and they don't want a dialogue. I mean, if, if Joe Rogan or anybody hosted a podcast with, with um, any, you know, I don't picture pick your Fauci or anybody on that side and any of these alternative doctors, I, you know, uh, Scott Jensen that I've interviewed, I've interviewed a lot of these people, Gunther Fulmich, people like that, any of these doctors that are preeminent, they would be destroyed. They would, they would probably just, they'd have to leave the stage in tears because there's, there's no argument for it. But if you control the microphone, it's like anything else, you know, it's like in, in years past, if you have a radio talk show where the, the host cuts the, the callers off, well, you can't have a debate if he can just mute you. Well, that's what essentially, that's what the people in charge are doing. They're muting the other side, whether it's certainly with the COVID narrative, especially. But anything else, you know, in this my my wheelhouse issue, the JFK assassination, I have to sit and watch every year as anniversary where there's these people like Gerald Poser and people that are just lie, just they don't literally get nothing right except Kennedy dying. And of course, some people don't think that, but that's about the only thing they get right about that, that Kennedy was assassinated. Everything else is disinformation or misinformation, but they're the only ones that have access to it. People like me, I have to talk about it on podcasts, platforms like this. They get to go on uh, you know, national television. They're quoted in the New York Times and things like that. And so it's, you can't argue when the platforms are equal. And I think that's another reason why YouTube took down all those people because we were winning the Infowars, Alex Young. We were winning it. Because, we were, I mean, if let's face it, if you or Alex Jones, me, any of us had a show on 
Fox or CNN or something, it wouldn't be very long before it would be the number one rated show on television. No question, because people would say, wow, what the hell are they talking about? You know, You're this right. Is something- You're totally right. Yeah, You're yeah. totally right. People are so hungry for authenticity yeah. and real conversations. Yeah. And, and, and I just find it to be absolutely ridiculous. There's an old quote, and I, 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 I can't find it, but it, it's basically along the lines is if you lie to a population long enough, let's say for six months, you just bombard them with false information and then suddenly show them the t- truth, they will defend the lie tooth and nail. They will do, they will, and we see that happening in real time. And there's just a lot of stuff going on with, with you know, as bad as it is right now, I, I think there is a, uh, a, a movement of authenticity out there, you know, whether it's this show, what Rogan's doing, stuff like that. We see more and more people. We, you know, with all the censorship of YouTube, now we've seen places like, Rockfin, Odyssey, BitChute, Rumble, all these other places start to grow where people are now running over there and they're starting to get real numbers on there, not to the number of YouTube. And to be honest with you, I I watch uh, yoga videos on YouTube all the time. So, you know, even though I hate what YouTube's doing, I find myself, those are the easiest ways to find yoga videos. So we see it happening all the time, but we're starting to see them and what they're doing in real time, right? Like, you know, it's like, you know, Bill Burr was talking about this recently about how, you know, like every one of these political comedy talk shows are hosted by a foreigner. Like, why is that? Why is Bill Maher the only one? And he's been doing it for 30 years, but all these new talk shows, whether it's the daily show, uh, that Canadian lady on TBS that no one gives a shit about damn Canadians, uh, (laughs) Jeffrey's garbage show, you know, where he he was like the super edgy guy. And now he's this woke social justice warrior who, and he just gets caught lying on films all the time. And then he's big league and everybody like he's done something, you know? So you just see these guys over and over and over all these foreigners. You're like, why is it only foreigners allowed to have a political discussion about the U S government? That's all done purposely. Then you watch commercials now, right? You watch all these commercials and you're like, Oh, everybody. You remember when there were white couples on commercials, which I do as, as a guy used to be an actor, I'm happy for any actor who gets work. Hey, dude, you sure. want to get work, man? Sure. A black couple, man, cash those checks. Interracial couple, cash that check. I don't know why they always got to be interracial, but the kid looks Filipino, right? right. It's like that doesn't even look like their freaking kid. Well, it's forced. Yeah, and, and that, that's, what, that's what's so frustrating about it. Anything that happens naturally, of course, you know, you shouldn't discriminate. I mean, if people love each other, you're, you're purple or gray, whatever, but but clearly it's an agenda because it's there, you know, if you go out on the street or, you know, in your life, every other couple isn't interracial. There just aren't every third couple isn't gay. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's what you're seeing is reflected on television because they're reflecting again, the absurd. It seems purposeful. It just it can't randomly oh, all these casting directors and all these producers all have the exact hey. Same idea. It hits you over the head with it. I remember when uh, one of that, you know, like we took the kids to uh, all the Harry Potter movies, and I enjoyed them. But I know J.K. Rowling. I know what she is. Although recently she's been canceled herself for having the audacity to say only women can have babies. 
how dare you know so it's it's i guess you know maybe she had her eyes woke because uh, she was as big a virtue signaler as existed but she found out there's something she can't say anymore you know, you know we're told we're going complete insane here you know we're going no you know no only women can have babies let's go with pregnant people one of the harry potter movies uh I remember just, it's, it was so absurd. It was, it was like hitting you over the head where it was like they had a scene where I guess Harry was with his Asian girl that he was in love with. Uh, they, uh, the other guy, Ron, had an Indian woman. Some other guy had an Indian girl. And then like uh, one of them was scared and it's to ask a girl. And so this uh, one of Ron's twin boys was looking down the table. He goes, oh, just ask anybody. I'll ask it. Of course, he quickly points to a black girl. And his brother quickly points to black. And it's, you know, it was it was like you were being hit over the head with a sledgehammer. It was so heavy handed because it was it was so obvious. And that's what I hate. No matter what the message is, you know, especially if it's a message that makes no, it's contrary to reality. Because, yeah, and you know, we what, just we just had this situation with I guess Joe Rogan was talking to Jordan Peterson, and they were talking about. I believe Trevor Noah was the discussion because Twitter blew up and they were discussing Trevor Noah and what he is in America. And he's very much a conformist opportunist race baiter who starts fights with ever who, who just adds fuel to the race fights that are going on in this country. And they were talking about how like, Dude, the guy, the guy isn't even from here, and he's discussing race when he came to the United States, a millionaire off a famous talk show in South Africa. Now, you could bring up apartheid in South Africa and all that stuff. 100% institutional racism happened. But apartheid ended when he was one years old, okay? And that doesn't mean racism, everyone just suddenly was kumbaya. Obviously, that takes time, and there's probably still a lot of that left over. But at the end of the day, Trevor Noah was a millionaire talk show host in South Africa who walked over here and took a job where the guy before him was making $20 million a year, okay? John Stewart was the highest paid talk show host on television, he was getting paid more than David Letterman and Jay Leno and all those guys. He was the highest paid one because he was his show was so popular. It was the flagship outside of South Park on Comedy Central. OK, mm-hmm. so he was crushing it. And this guy came in and Dana and I were watching the show and we were because our friend Al was on at the time. So we would watch the show and we saw Trevor Noah's first two times he appeared on the show. And his segments bombed. They bombed to the point where Dana, who loves comedy, was like, oh, that didn't go well. That didn't go well. And then right after that, we find out he gets the gig. And you're like, why is this guy getting the gig? And then I started putting it together in my humble opinion is that Jon Stewart and The Daily Show got too powerful. It was almost like the Joe Rogan of that time, the the Joe Rogan experience. Everyone was tuning into that for their news and not the nightly news. And at this point, the Republicans were complaining that he was killing them and they were that he was making Republican looks bad. And the best way to kill the, the Daily Show brand is to bring an unfunny host who's going to make everything <laughs> unfunny. And now nobody cares about the Daily Show. Nobody. Mission 
accomplished. Yeah, but well, now I, we got this guy trying to, and I, I'll wrap it up here, but trying to, um, trying to cry about the black experience in America, which is this notion that you are oppressed. You are being targeted by law enforcement constantly. You're living in horrible neighborhoods. You haven't failed school systems. You're having failed uh, nuclear family, right? I mean, that is the notion when you say the black experience in America. Sadly, that is pop culture, what is being pushed on people. Just know Trevor Noah has experienced none of that. (laughs) I don't know that any high-profile black that has succeeded. Very few, anyhow, have experienced any of it. Uh, you know, when you talk about talk shows, I, recently uh, when Norm McDonald died, uh, I, I never realized how funny that guy was, I guess. And uh, some of my, you know, I got a lot of supporters that researched for me and everything, but a bunch of them started sending me Norm McDonald clips. And uh, so I started watching. I said, wow, this guy was really good. I didn't realize it. And because uh, I kind of, you know, I, I, I have very high standards in comedy. So, you know, and Steve Martin, Ronnie Dangerfield, and, I, you know, George Carlin, Bill Hicks, but... Uh, when I started watching the clips of him on YouTube, uh, on David Letterman especially, it just, yeah, you know, the, the most recent one was probably 2015, 16. And I was struck by how much the world has changed just that in five years. Because it, watching a David Letterman show from 2016 was like another country. I mean, everything, it was, and I don't know how you or any of these other guys do comedy now. I wouldn't know how to do it. Because uh, comedy is so, uh, they've, got, they've got you, you know, shackled with training wheels or leg irons. I don't know what you want to call it. But, uh, you know, I go back to when I was a teenager, uh, George Carlin's album, it, we're talking about the seven words you can't say on television and uh, Occupation Fool, all this stuff. I mean, that was revolutionary. That was what's popular amongst, you know, young people in my era and Cheech and Chong, you know, things like that. But uh George Carlin couldn't, how could he do his act today? He, he absolutely could not do his act. And none of these people could. Bill Hicks, uh, you, know, you know, certainly, uh, you know, maybe Rodney Dangerfield could, but I don't even know because you, you just, because of insult comedy, now you can, you really can only insult white males. You, you would have to strictly bear. And that's, I don't know how you do comedy because you get complaints about any anything that's perceived as anti-woman. And, you know, there's lots of, great comedy that you know it's kind of making fun of their wives or whatever i mean that was part of the Roddy Dangerfield certainly i mean I don't know how you do comedy and, and talk shows today are so lame you look at somebody like jimmy fallon who like unlike most of those oh other my guys, god dude it's mean, so it's, bad yeah well he's 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 actually the most talented one i think of all this groups but he's like rich little was in my era. he just has such lame material he's like a court approved comedian where it's like he's you know he's sitting there laughing at joe biden and stuff it's 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 cringeworthy to watch. It's like, oh my god, you, you, this is supposed to be funny. And uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, I don't know what uh, what's his name, the guy that used to be his partner on the Man Show. Uh, that you Adam know, Carolla. He, yeah, Adam Carolla. Yeah, he must just sit there and say, "Good, what the hell happened to you?" When he goes on Fox News, but and Colbert. I mean, Colbert has gone from being pretty funny on the on the comedy show to a raving lunatic. I actually, you know, he belongs in a padded room sometimes. He's like uh, uh, Keith Olbermann. So these people, are, there's not any of them that are even remotely entertaining or funny. I mean, they're uh, Seth Myers. I mean, these people are, are just so boring. And 
And the propaganda is so thick, though. I don't know who you would think. Bill Burr, I guess, is the closest one to a comedian yeah. that still has a little edge to him. But, you know, comedy, comedy, they've killed comedy just like they killed music. I mean, and, you know, Bill Young and Jody Mitchell are presiding over that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the death of culture. None of those comedians would be on Netflix. None of those comedians would be on Netflix. None of those comedians would be on Netflix, and that's why Netflix is dying. That's why it's dying, because if you see anything, even Azir Zafi, it's all about mandates, vaccines. It's all about that shit. Nothing is anti that, and if you're anti that, you're not going to be on Netflix. Yeah, 100%. And now, based on conversations I've heard from people, that their specials get no numbers anymore because everybody knows that they're not allowing any savages on there. And it just gets to the point where it's like, what are we doing? It's, you know, it's like, I had a friend who was on the female Ghostbusters. And I was super happy for her, but I knew that movie wasn't going to do well because we were starting to really wake up to every commercial a guy was an idiot. And it makes you wonder why they're doing this. And it has to do with Marxism, right? The death of the nuclear family. That's what they're doing. So they, you know, I just had kids two years ago. And man, being a dad is the greatest thing in the world. Oh, but the far. way they portray us in commercials, like, oh, oh how do I wipe my butt? Oh, dad. Exactly. I don't know how to wipe my butt. I mean, I That's pay right. for everything, but I don't know how to wipe my butt. You know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're five year old just, smarter than you. You're, you know, anybody can beat you up, especially any female. I mean, it's, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it's, if you're a guy, it's especially a white guy, you're a complete doofus, you're a laughing stock, and we've come a long way. And then look at something like Leave to Beaver, look at the way Ward Cleaver ruled that world. You want to get, I call that America 1.0 and America 2.0. Look at that. However unrealistic you want to know, but Ward Cleaver was absolutely in charge and he represented the American male, especially the white American male at the time. And now you get any kind of, I mean, they are just, it's laughable. Maybe some gay character, but you're right. They're, they're so inept. You can barely put your pants on. Well, I mean, uh, if, if you take a look at like some of the classic family, I've been I've been doing a joke about this, but you look at the Huxtables and the uh, the Brady Bunch. You know, yeah. it's like we got pushed on us, and I I totally believe this is to make us feel like awful about the state of our family, like these yeah. perfect families. And you're like, my family's not like that. Then you find out Cosby, dad's a rapist. And you watch the, <laughs> you know, the Brady yeah. bunch, dad is gay and dies of AIDS. God rest his soul. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy, but you know, it wasn't yeah. the perfection that everything right. is. And then a show like breaking bad comes and you're like, that's more like my family. Like there's just complete chaos. It's, but you, then know, that you know why they can do that now though? It's that's the role that social media filled in our lives. Those big TV shows that made us feel bad about our families. Now that's just the doom scroll on social media. When you see everybody else 100%, smiling. hundred percent dude. So yeah. when we start getting into cultural Marxism, man, and it's like, you know, when you, because people listen to this, they'll look up cultural Marxism and be like anti-Semitic, 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 because they don't want you studying it. Right. They don't want you to look into what's going on, because when you start to study this thing, you start to see it happening in real time. Like, it's like China, Japan. Everybody knows you cannot go into the United States with a military and expect 
to win. There's five guns in every house. You're not going to do it. So you have to go through the inside sneakily and destroy it with rot from the middle, right? And that is everything that's cultural Marxism, right? We, we, we demonize the ethnic majority. We elevate the ethnic minorities. We elevate alternative lifestyles. We create gender wars and sex wars, and we destroy the nuclear family. Looks like, sounds like it's what's going on right now in real time. Absolutely. And if you, you know, people that say there's, I mean, there's, when, when you have a, an obvious pattern like that, there's, there's, you know, there's one way people talk about the, uh, you know, when I write about history, there's the, the conventional view of history is that, uh, everything's random, you know, great men arise and all this stuff, which uh, I don't know where the great men are now, but, uh, and then there's a conspiratorial view, which is gaining more and more popularity. And uh, basically, you know, one of the, I think a quote that explains it best, is a guy named Jim Forrestal, who was the first secretary of defense. Uh, he was pushed out of a window at the Desna Naval Hospital back in the uh, late forties, early fifties. And uh, they claimed he committed suicide. Absolutely not. But uh, he was friends with Joe McCarthy, who, of course, would die at age 49 when he entered as neighborhood hospital. He, he died two days after entering the hospital with a knee problem. No, no autopsy. They don't do any autopsies in any of these cases. You know, he's just a United States senator. His name's in the dictionary now. But he, he was 49. He had a knee problem. He's dead. You know, we don't know why. Probably an alcoholic. You know, that, that's, that's basically the, uh, the, the standard feature. But McCarthy was good friends with Forrestal. And at one point, uh, Forrestal told him, you know, McCarthy, if this wasn't some grand conspiracy, once in a while, they'd make a mistake in our favor. And that's the way I look at it, is that, you know, if this wasn't by design, then there would be great people that would arise. And if you, every time a Huey Long or a John F. Kennedy, or Martin Luther King or Robert F. Kennedy, they wouldn't be killed. You know, once in a while, some real bad guy would be shot. You know, somebody would shoot Chuck Schumer. You know, or something like that. I mean, that that would be the case for Nancy Pelosi. Never happens, and nobody questions it. It's it's so obvious. Once in a while, we'd have an we'd have a, a period of peace. Somebody, people in, in high places would would realize, hey, you know, maybe we ought to fix the roads. You know, maybe we ought to have a, a good infrastructure improves everything. You know, maybe transgender story hour is really a horrible idea. You know, but. You don't have it. Everyone in power is on board. And if, if, if they do dare to disagree, they're canceled because no one stands up for them. I, I know just the workplace being in work meetings, being, being the guy always to talk up. And then I'd look behind me for everybody that said they were going to back me up. And it's crickets. And so I can't imagine how it happens at that level that, you know, nobody's going to back you up. So that's the problem with anybody. It's, it's obvious reality shows that, that this is there's some kind of you know people say you think everything's a conspiracy well yes i do because we're being ruled by conspirators this is a way of doing business to them they don't know any other way this is a way of life they conspire and they conspire against the people and it and it's just this whole thing that either involves very dark arts magic or blackmail and you see it happen all the time especially in like hip hop music, you have these guys that are kind of the system blows up and then they want to go off the reservation and what happens to them? They get assassinated. They do not want to blow you up. And then you start speaking freely outside the narrative 
that they want you to speak. And it happens all the time. And it's kind of sad because you have so many rappers that have been assassinated and right. like, everyone's like, oh, look how you do, you know, it's like, that's a lifestyle. It's yeah, that's crazy. that's like, what it is. Yeah. That's a lifestyle. What, dude? Like <laughs> people are murdered that are starting to speak their mind and they get clipped when they get too right. powerful. And Trump, it's a, well, um, and, and, Kanye, Kanye West did a whole fucking concert where he was praising Donald Trump. What happened right after? He's a psycho. We need to give him psycho meds. He disappeared for like three months. His little Wayne, same thing. Voted for Trump. All of a sudden, yeah. gets caught up with with firearms in, in, yeah. in the they van. Like it's just ball, like one thing after another thing. You well, know, and, and, right and, into and the they, system. And, and they use they use those as as Sam mentioned. Uh, the answer to that, well, what do you expect? Look at the violence there. I mean, look at the culture they come from. Of course, you know, they're, they're just, it's playing out in real life. That's the gangster lifestyle. You know, you know that's the way they want to go out. And it, it, to another, to a, a very similar degree, as I write about in, on Bar and Fame, all the deaths, especially the rock stars, easy to mask if you wanted to take somebody out, a rock star. I mean, we know almost all of them were doing drugs. So, of course, you can easily say, well, you know, come on, man, he was a heroin addict. I mean, they did that with a Belushi. I didn't, I didn't find out until On Barred Farm had, On Barred Fame had already gone to the publisher. But uh, I found uh, a, a reference to Dick Gregory, somebody I admire very much, a comedian, again, who couldn't, you know, right being black, wouldn't have a chance of, of having a career today because he was constantly talking about the CIA and killing JFK and everything. But he talked about uh, John Belushi calling him the night before he died, much as I talked about Freddie Prince calling uh, Mark Lane all the time. He was obsessed with the Kennedy assassination. And he kills himself two months later. Ron Belushi, I've always been suspicious about his death. I thought there was a JFK connection because that's what usually happens. You know, that the, the first thing I usually look for. Sure enough, he had called Dick Gregory the night before he died and said, I, got, hey, I want to talk about the JFK assassination with Mark. Next day he dies. Well, you know, and what do we get? Just like we did with Freddie Prince, we get, oh, he was out of control. San Francisco speedball. You know, this guy was, look at him. He's, you know, sad. He's constantly doing drugs. He's a cokehead. You know, it was, it was bound to happen. He, he had a death wish and everything. Well, he also had an interest in the JFK assassination. So maybe they were masking that. And who knows how many others that we don't know about, you know, or 9-11 truthers or whatever, and then they fall out Fuck of the building. Yeah. You know, who knows? You know? I actually am thankful that I'm only at the level that I'm at. Like I talk about all times like, no, nah, I don't need to get bigger. I don't know how Rogan does it. How he keeps <laughs> himself on tracks. Yeah, I know yeah. Rogan. He's very methodical in how he operates. So he's been able to control a lot of stuff, but I also want to get into something. And I don't know if you discuss in your book, but how people mistake heritage or culture for heritage, right? Like people think, oh, this is my culture. Yeah, but it's not your heritage. Your culture most likely started in some kind of think tank where they go, how can we corrupt this demographic and get them to do the exact opposite of what the universe wants them to do, which is love, spread love, raise a family, do all this stuff. Now, if you don't have kids, it's totally fine. I, I have no problems with that, but this push to get people to either not have kids or not have uh, 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 two parents in the children's life is like detrimental to the people. So as I get in these fights on Twitter with people who are calling me racist because I'm calling out Trevor Noah, I'm like, listen, dude, I'm not telling you that there wasn't systematic 
destruction of the black culture. What I'm telling you is that your leaders are leading you down the wrong road. In my humble opinion, this push of a BLM on the black community when on their own website, their one of their goals uh, is to destroy the nuclear family, which is we all know is a big problem in the black community because of drug wars, drug laws and welfare laws. Like I was watching the four Kings on Showtime and I didn't know it was this specific, but they were like, if you want to get welfare, we can see zero evidence of, of dads in the household. Think about how dark that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's messed up. And that's, and that's, you know, you, when you, uh, you referenced Jesse Jackson earlier, not mentioning him with Martin Luther King, but uh, the, the, you know, for a long time, he was the face of the black leadership. And, you know, he's a shakedown artist. As, as a book about him talked about, that's what he is. He, it's no honesty to him whatsoever. He's not a reverend. I don't know. He never had a congregation. But even worse is Al Sharpton, who's still hanging around. This is a former, a former uh, backup dancer with James Brown, who was a crack dealer. And he was a crack dealer, and he was caught on camera by the FBI dealing crack. And they turned him into an informant. So he's still, he's certainly still on the FBI payroll. He's no reverend. That's your leadership. And that's why, you know, I feel sorry for, uh, for black people in general, because they've been sold. This, these are their leaders, these horrible, you know, these, these pimps, these racial pimps and, and, and drug dealers turned into government informants. And then you have, uh, you know, these awful celebrities that get the, the, uh, which was the Russell, um, the guy that said was the president of one of the record labels, Russell. Russell, Russell Williams. Um, what's, what's, uh, P, uh, not Russell Peters. Russell, the guy from um, yeah, Def Jam, right? Yeah, yeah, oh. but he, I think he has a, I think he has a murder in his background, and I think P. Diddy's either him or his father. Did I mean these guys have? They are the real deal. Russell Simmons, right? Russell Simmons, that's right. Russell Simmons. But this, so these are these are not, uh, you know, for the most. Don part, King, same thing. Well, he stomped a paraplegic to death, and then he killed somebody else. I think. I think he's got two murders. But he, he's, he's white, and now he waves the Republican flag, and he's a Republican. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but this is they have horrible leadership, and they've been sold the Spike Lees of the world. Although you notice when Spike Lee put out his special that 9/11 a little while back. Notice how he was slapped down real quickly because he actually had the audacity to talk to people from the 9-11 engineers for uh, truth and architects and engineers for 9-11 truth. And uh, boy, the entire media went after him and he got this proud, you know, proud black guy that's, you know, little, little guy that's so tough and everything. Oh, he collapsed like a, a four-year-old. He went, apologized. They quickly took it away. So these guys have no principles. No, and it's, it's, it's an embarrassment to call black culture a culture. It's ridiculous. What does it celebrate? You mentioned I mean, not having a father in the home. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, 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 it's been done systematically. That's the problem. Yeah. And they don't want to listen to anybody. This notion that you cannot have, like, if you're going to talk about race relations, you can't have one side of the race having the whole conversation. Right? right. You just can't do it. It's, it's just it's men and women. The only time I think that applies is when it comes to raising children. If you don't have kids, I don't want to hear from you. OK, I don't want you don't know what's like. I don't know. You got a dog. I don't care. OK, I don't <laughs> want to hear from you. I don't. And that's a big problem we have right now. 
there's a far left that doesn't want to have children, that thinks being inclusive is heavenly and spiritual. Their God is science and they yes. don't believe in God. Okay. Absolutely. And they yep. want to tell you how to live spiritually. All right. It, 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 it's just this bizarro mental gymnastics that go on that make no sense. I don't care. You don't want to tell me I can, I can tell. I'm not trying to tell black people how to live their life. I'm just saying you're being lied to by your boule leadership who are paid to push and give you bad information on how to live your life. And it's right. my, what my friend, uh, my friend Scott once told me about, you know, it's like the in prison, there's all these men in prison, right? And there's no females there to counter their behavior. Women reward men for good behavior with certain actions, right? That's how you kind of, like, if you want to be popular with the ladies, you do certain things that women reward you with. But now that there's no women there, now it's just full-on men going crazy. And <laughs> so that's what will happen to, like, any culture, any cult, any group of people that does not allow outsiders to criticize ends up going to the craziest levels because there's no there's no dissenting voices. No, there's not. And you're right. There's a, when there's a dialogue. Let's have a dialogue about race. There aren't any rational whites ever allowed. The only ones that are allowed are, are cucked whites who are just going <laughs> to sit there and 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 do and you, just, you know agree with everything and just be you know what they are. And I can tell you, man. I mean, I. I when I was a, a young guy, I had a blue collar job for many years, pulled thousand pound carts around and it kept me in good shape. But I worked with almost all non-whites and most of them were black. And I got to know them. I knew hundreds and hundreds of them. And I was the only guest at all black weddings several times, only guest at all black parties. And, and I'd go out and do my Fred Flintstone dance to entertain them. They thought that was funny. You know, it's great. So I, it's cool. You know, I, I do my thing. But uh, they, I, not one of them ever called me racist, but I always spoke my mind to them. And you could now, I don't know if I could do that now. Probably not. I'd be fired the first day, but that's, that's a big change. But I found that the only people that ever called me racist are whites that blacks. I don't, I think they really, really hate. And they certainly don't respect those cucked whites. They don't like the virtue signals because it's so condescending it's condescending and it's, 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 uh, you know, uh, patronizing something like, uh, the movie, the, uh, Oh God, uh, I'm forgetting it now with the big football player that, uh, Sandra Bullock, um, the blind Bullock, side, blind, blind side, side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Louis Farrakhan was exactly right. That was an offensive movie because what does it say is that, that this big black guy who only, only if he's a football player that can help my university, I'm a rich alumni of that university. Uh, yeah, that, that, this guy now, if he had been five, four, and a hundred pounds, yeah, no, I would have, I would have locked my doors and driven real quickly past his neighborhood. But uh, this guy's big and he can play football, and I'm an alumni of the university, so I'm going to bring him into my house, uh, you know, because I can change him, I can fix him. And what that attitude is by these virtue, these virtue signaling whites, is that basically it tells black people that they need fixing, yeah, and that they can only be fixed by 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 one of us. A liberal yeah. white said, we just get our hands on you, you know, I'll, I'll sponsor you like an artist or something. Yeah. And, and most of them, that's that's offensive. That would well, offend me. Most, most uh, you know what else does? white liberals are really, uh, if you talk to them, they're like, black people can't get the internet. They don't have licenses. <laughs> they don't know how to do it. You're yeah. like, what are you like? Because what are you doing? Like, that's they don't not have ideas, real. Yeah. 
That's ridiculous. They can't go to the DMV. Yeah. They don't know how to do it. You know what else is offensive is when they try to say Latinx. Yeah. No Mexican oh, yes. has been wanting exactly. to be called Latinx. Exactly. And you and you know that and that's that that's the funny thing is that they they are running into some some roadblocks here because uh, first of all with Hispanics, which again it's a politically created term. You know, what does somebody in Cuba have to do with, you know, somebody from Chile? I mean, but that it's, it's a created term to try to get a, a block of voters. But they, they don't understand that beyond maybe what that group perceives they can get, which at this point, it ought to dawn them. They're really not getting anything of value, but they, they don't understand that the, the, most of certainly Latin America is still overwhelmingly Catholic traditional and they have big families and they rejoice in births unlike white america i can tell you that so it doesn't fit in with the woke agenda because their births are celebrations and they're traditional in terms of and so that that, that's clashing much as traditional traditional feminism i mean i toxic feminism whatever you want to call it but is now as we see in the case of jk rowling it's running into the transgender movement when if you say a woman's choice. Well, wait a minute. I, I can counter. What do you mean a woman? What do you mean a woman? Well, first of all, you you can't say the word woman anymore. So, what do you mean a woman's yeah. body? So, yeah. so, how about mine? You know, how about a person's body? So, why don't I have a right to choose? You know, I I, I identify as non-binary, but I can have a baby. Everybody can. You admit it. So it it clashes, and that's why you're seeing people like uh, J.K. Rowling and a few other. I've written some articles for the American Free Press about this where it's a big clash because, uh, you know, it, it doesn't fit. And, and you saw a little bit of that. Uh, one of the reporters, probably Steve Ducey or Peter Ducey, uh, questioned Jen Psaki in one of the press conferences about that, uh, you know, a little bit. And we touched on, she's, you know, she just looked like her head was going to explode or something. It didn't, it didn't compute. But so it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens because in identity politics, they're, there's a lot, and same thing with black culture. I mean, again, I can tell you from work with it, outside of race itself, which you know, blacks, of course, they're, you know, they're, they're, if they're being pandered to and told they're great all the time, and they're, I don't know how much favoritism they're getting, but they're, they're, they're told that. They're getting favoritism on the lower, on the low level. Lower level, right, right. And they don't realize that. You right. know, the, the Oscars all white is never going to change because you're asking people to give up their seats and they're all for change <laughs> as long as they yeah. get theirs. Right, exactly. But, I, but beyond that, the, you know, the black culture such that it exists, and you see that in sports where you had that guy a few years back that they forced an openly gay player on the Rams, they forced to, to draft a linebacker. Many, many blacks came out said, I don't want to be in the locker room with that guy. That's the mentality there. They still have an old fashioned traditional mentality about that, much as Hispanics do about having families. So it clashes with that. They're, uh, blacks are very, you know, you can call them homophobic in general. That's their culture. And uh, they, they basically are the way white people might have been 50 years ago. They might have been, you know, but it's now, of course, there, no, no white's going to speak up. So it ha- there are clashes there and um, how they handle it. But, you know, somehow the woke left manages to navigate this. I keep thinking it's going to explode in their face, but uh, somehow well, it's they also it. a lot to do with cultural Marxism. When you look at CNN, right, <laughs> who gets who makes who's making calls? Chris Como, he gets fired. Dom Lenman's calling Jesse May Smolier, whatever his name is, <laughs> doesn't get fired. 
that's all done purposefully, man. Yeah. It's yeah. all yeah. the guy from Jeopardy loses his job because he had a couple of things about Jewish people on a podcast way back then. He loses his <laughs> job, but the the black guy with the uh the, the the psychic beanie on, what's his name from America's Got Talent? What's his name? That's got like forty seven kids. Uh, he doesn't lose his job. Yeah. He doesn't lose his job. That's all done purposefully. These are being done to manipulate the masses to fight with each other. But, you know, I personally think that, again, it goes back to it. It's like they're really hurting right now because they they can't control the narrative. They've they've censored people down like podcasting. The what? I was telling this on a show the other day on one of my premium content shows. I was talking about how Joe Rogan's where Joe Rogan is because he's the master of three things that started out as very outlaw, right? Very outlaw, which was the UFC, stand-up comedy, and podcasting. All of them were started by outlaws who couldn't fit into the your tradi- yeah. traditional uh, mar- uh, business, right? Like stand-up started in strip bars because a bunch of guys were, were entertainers. They couldn't sing and they needed money. So they just brought up naked chicks who would dance for booze and money, right? Mm-hmm. Podcasting started because white guys were getting pushed out of Hollywood and they needed to find a way so that they could sell tickets on the road, right? And then finally, the UFC was a bunch of tough guys who were, weren't boxers, but they were they had disciplines in martial arts, so they came together. And this guy was the master of all those, right? Yeah. All those things. So now we see Hollywood losing the narrative. All Everybody is going into these other markets where they can thrive. And now Hollywood, it's like why Netflix, I said, Netflix has Viacom flu. But they started doing all the things wrong that Viacom was doing, which was just everything woke and not pay anybody. And guess what happens when you do that? All the real talent leaves because what these suits want to believe is that they don't need talent. And what they're learning is you 100% need talent. You need funny people. You need great actors. You need opinionated people because shiny object, bisexual, biracial people who look good on camera don't have anything important to say. And you keep using young people. Guess what? Young people are only good for one thing. Fucking okay, that's it. I don't want to hear your mouth. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. You haven't experienced life, okay? Outside of that, nobody wants to hear you. And that's Sam speaking, okay? That's not you know anybody else. That's not Don. That's Sam's comment. Sorry, Don. Yeah. I know you don't want to hear we'll that. Have to fuck. remember that young people are only good for fucking. That's that's yeah, it. that's <laughs> it, right? Once you turn eighteen, that's all I want to hear from you. Everything else, shut up and wait your turn and live some life. Okay, but it's been done. I don't know how they change it. I do not know how they can throw all the money they want. They could throw a billion dollars at somebody. They would never be able to replicate Joe Rogan if this person had to say the official narrative that the bankers and the politicians want him to say. Because the minute he starts saying stuff that we all know is just propaganda, he'll lose everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's, I think that's the, like, I, I actually, when, when I watch, I, I don't watch it, but my wife has it on the background sometimes. When I see Jimmy Fallon, a snippet of it, I just, I feel sorry for somebody like that because I liken it to, you know, these have court gestures. 
in the old days. That, that would, and he, he reminds me of that. You know, somebody that can entertain the king by kissing his ass. And that's what he's basically doing. He's kissing the powers that be's ass in a very lame way. There's no hope of there ever being any kind of uh, comedy where you go, oh, wow, he hit on really something profound. Like I said, just look five years ago, David Letterman. David Letterman really went downhill. I mean, he's early. He was really great in the beginning. But still, at the end, he was light years ahead of just, you know, he was just being kind of funny, Woody Rippertay. And, but he wasn't necessarily worried about everything he said. Now it's, it's gone beyond, well, you can't say something that might be considered racist, anti-Semitic, uh, you know, uh, homophobic, uh, anti-woman. Now it's, you, you can be canceled for almost anything. I mean, you know, what do you, you know, things like, you know, using the word woman or man, which I said, it's ironic that, and how do feminist groups still use the word woman? When you've already said it's, it's been banned in some schools, boy and girl. We're at a, a really, I think, uh, I, I don't know how much more we can unravel, but I mean, when you get to the point where you're saying there are 57 genders, that men can have birth, that you can't use the term boy and girl. And I, I saw some uh, these outrageous alleged black professionals that because of these third, you know, black studies and gender studies and all these ridiculous degrees they're giving people are given the accreditation of some kind of academic. So of course their entire basis their entire existence revolves around talking about black, about their race, and how yeah. how bad white people are with it. So she's basically saying that uh, if you're not her 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 thing on Twitter was that if you don't give money to black people, you're you're racist. Yeah. So I mean, this is an extortion. since Jesse Jackson thing. So, and I don't understand how why white people can't have the gumption simply to speak and say you know that's absurd, but there's nobody there to do it. You know, there's Mitch McConnell and people are just mumbling and, and there's, you know, there's there's nobody there. Maybe Tucker Carlson is about the closest you come in, in the mainstream media. He actually gets bold on race sometimes. But you know, I, I, I never want to be perceived as racist. But this is nobody has written more about the plight of the poor, which are disproportionately black or prisoners, which are disproportionately black. I mean, those systems are horrible. They treated, you know, lots of black people terribly about police brutality disproportionately against blacks but you can't have a system where you have because uh, this is if, if they really cared about that and uh, black lives matters and if they were real organizations which we know we're not we see their vans that uh, they got their vans from somebody somebody built those and paid for them it sure wasn't a, you know, a bunch of street blacks but uh, if you look at it it's like somebody delivered the bricks and the wheelbarrows to all the all the all the 100 percent. One hundred percent. And you have to ask yourself, Don, if, if if we could snap our fingers and racism was gone, what would all these people do with their lives? How would they right. pay their bills? Where would right. they go? I mean, you right. really got to ask yourself that. And well, they never define what racism is. They never right. define what the, the, no. the goal line is because it's yeah. never meant to be one. It's meant to constantly, constantly, constantly be like, I think about all these comics that just go up and do woke shit. They yeah. wouldn't have no act if tomorrow everybody yeah. got along kumbaya style. It's yeah. never meant to be that ever. No. You're no. never meant to get to the goal line. You're only there to sell product over and over and over and over and over and over and over. That's it. Well, That's I, it. I, I would like to, if I had any kind of platform or if I, if I had a, uh, the ability to question 
a lot of prominent blacks. I, I would like to just say, I, I would like to see Maxine Waters or uh, Lori Lightfoot or, you know, any of these alleged, you know, Kamala Harris, I would like to sit down and talk to them and just say, okay, well, we're going to have a conversation for, I don't think they could go 10, five minutes, but let's say, let's look, we're going to try to go 30 minutes, but we can't discuss your race. We can't talk about black and it's a race is out of the question. And I'd like to see what, I mean, what would Al Sharpton talk about for 30 minutes? I totally agree. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what he would, I mean, and I think they would, they literally wouldn't know what to do. They would they'd be tongue tied because their entire, I mean, I'm so sick of it. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to ban race from all uh, documents. And there's no reason, the only reason it's on there is to discriminate in some way, but we know that will never happen. And I know that I'm, you know, on the, on, on, uh, going against the grain big time here, but it has to stop because it, you're right. It's all the oldest strategy. And, the, and again, it's the conspirators playbook is divide and conquer order out of chaos. You know, you know, we talk a lot about about like the systematic racism, which 100 percent exists. We realize crack cocaine, you know, a nugget of crack. Uh, uh, the Clinton and Biden's made a nugget of crack. Uh, the same offense as a helicopter full of cocaine. I mean, right. let's face it. Right. Yeah, let's face right. it. But no narrative is ever about the people who got out of the hood ever. There's no discussion. What did they do? If they're surrounded by the chaos, what did they do? How did they get out of there? Why don't we ever talk about that? We never do because it's not about getting you out, man. I'm telling you, man, it's just like I say this all the time. First of all, I would love for black people to do mo more mushrooms. That's a big push here. <laughs> if I ran for office, be like black people have to do <laughs> mushrooms all the time and talk to God and get out of just the understanding, dude, that like the only one who's come to save you is yourself. And I was talking about this the other day. You can't change this. The, the key to life is to play the game. Play the game, okay? And they've demonized that. They deal, oh, dude, he just plays the game. It's like, no, dude, you could play the real bad game that gets you it'd be hosting uh, some stupid uh, game show on television that's vapid and you go nowhere with your life. Nobody wanted that gig. Uh, yeah, you're making money, but have you ever made, have you ever affected anybody? No, you haven't. But it's like, learn to play the game, okay? And the game is nobody's come to save you, save yourself. You're, 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 you're trying to change the system. You're not, it's not about changing the system. You want to change the system. It's very simple. You change your, the way you live your life and you're an example to others and others will see how you live and they'll, they'll do what you did to change their life. That's the only way you change the game. That's the only way is by yourself thinking, acting locally, thinking globally. That's how you do it. But nobody ever tells people that. No, and Ever. you talked you talked about Martin Luther King earlier, and and he he became dangerous, and I think he probably signed his death warrant when he started switching from uh, race to class, and when he talked about poor people and not just black people, and I think that they fear that there's there's you've seen the meme out there where they have like a black and a white hand, a brown hand, uh, all joining together and saying this is what they fear the most. They're terrified because if you could ever, I mean, if you're on a job, like I said, I worked with hundreds of blacks and, and we had a camaraderie. We all knew the suits were horrible. That's, that's been a reality forever. The suits are corrupt. The suits don't do any work. Of course, we're doing all the work. We're getting exploited. We're not getting paid. But back then, there was a little more camaraderie. They, if, if we could look at a bigger scale and get black people, white people, 
brown people and yellow people, red people, whatever you got. And just realize, you know, we're all being screwed. This is a rigged system. It's what I wrote about in Survival of the Rich. I said, the common enemy is right there in front of you. And yet that common enemy is using all these distractions to turn us against each other. So we don't notice, you know, that, uh, you know, how much corporate welfare, you know, we're giving, we're, we're paying for every year. We don't notice that uh, the bottom 50% of America makes less than 27,000 a year. The bottom 50% of the half, half of America has nothing. Instead, they get you noticing about, you know, they'll, they'll come up with some ridiculous black celebrity that'll say something outrageous that's, you know, that's anti-white and that'll be the distraction or they'll try to demonize some white person, some hapless white that's saying something that's, you know, would have been common sense 40 years ago and get them canceled over it. That's so that becomes the debate. Did you hear about what's so did you hear about what the, you know, instead of uh, did you hear about how half the country has nothing and how they, you know, how they've taken all the wealth and how, you know, how they've after these unconstitutional lockdowns, none of these businesses are coming back and how they've completely destroyed the they future for America. Don, I, wa- I want to ask you something, man. So, you know, we're, we're as we enter the end of, uh, of our conversation, I want to ask you something. So we always hear that loose morals are what destroy all empires. And I just think that's a smokescreen because, you know, Dude acting like guys dressing like women brings down every empire. When in reality, in my humble opinion, it is greed. Greed is always the thing that destroys an empire because an empire is like any structure, right? And if you take everything out of the base, the the structure has no base and it just uh, collapses on itself. And it happens every time. The greedy, the greed at the top, ran by elitist psychopath conspirators okay it's never enough and like even at this point it's like not even about money they're printing so much money they could have all the money in the world this is about them stealing your milkshake that's all they want to do they want to steal your milkshake and they want that's more important than then and then all the zeros in the world in their bank account they just want what you have right Exactly. And as, as my hero, Huey Long said, it's not enough for them to, uh, to, to take, you know, to take all the money. They also have to know you don't have it. They get off yeah. on the fact that you don't have it. You know, yep. we took it from you and look at you. And so that's, that's the important thing. You're right. Because ultimately uh, the stuff we discuss culturally, music sucks now, comedy sucks now or whatever movies suck now. Um, you know, there are 57 genders. If everybody was like back back in the 50s and 60s when America was at its peak economically, every job paid a living wage. If everybody had a decent standard of living, that probably would get lost in the shuffle. I'm not sure it would matter that much. I mean, you'd discuss it a lot, but it wouldn't impact your life. Now, so many people are, and then you have, you know, situations like, uh, to me, the, the biggest indicators of the collapse of America is you know, what you're seeing like in California with the, the tent cities people crapping on the streets. I mean, things that we used to make fun of India. Remember how you used to make fun of India? You know, the crapping in the streets. Yeah. Well, we're doing it here now. And uh, and nobody's doing anything about it. They're literally not even, a, we can't even clean the human feces off the street. I mean, what, literally you could you could hire zoo animals to do, and, and could, they couldn't do any worse than that. They'd be crapping there too, I guess, but that'd be about it. I mean, they, they couldn't do, they could ignore it as well. It's, 
that's the state we've reached where uh, you, know, you have a few years ago when you know, Arnold, Governor uh, Terminator was in, uh, the governor out there and uh, they started talking about that California had a water shortage. I mean, how long has it been since we had desalination plants? You're right next to the ocean and you can't figure out how to handle a water shortage? This is, we're at that level. I've said for many years, Sam, that one of my talking points is you could get a random group of preschoolers anywhere in this country and put them in charge and they do a much better job. And I for, and you could get a random group of death row inmates and they you put them in charge and they would have more principles. But that's, that's how I feel about our leadership. We have the worst possible leaders and nothing will ever get done until we can figure some supernatural method of, of vacuuming them all out and replacing them with just, you know, just halfway honest, decent people. John, I totally agree. Don, as always, our conversations are great, and I appreciate you coming on. I look forward to reading your book. Your book is called I'm Borrowed Fame, Money, Mysteries, and the Corruption in the Entertainment World. I totally agree with everything. I look forward to, to reading your books. And one more time, can you tell them where they can find you and find your book? Yeah, well, I'm Borrowed Fame, as you mentioned. Hopefully, they can find that anywhere. And uh, my show, The Donald Jeffrey Show, airs every Wednesday on uh, Ocelli.com, Jeff Rents Network replays, and a lot of people, there's on some terrestrial radio shows, probably at three in the morning. And uh, I've had a lot of good guests there, so it, it's interesting stuff. Uh, America Unplugged with your friend Billy Ray Valentine and Tony Arterburn. That's every Saturday at 12 noon. Uh, DonaldJeffries.media, Donald, uh, my Substack, uh, DonaldJeffries.news is my blog. So you can, you search for me, you'll probably find out more than you want to know, but I, there's a lot of stuff out there about me. Don, our conversations are some of the best. I always appreciate you coming on. I look forward to when we do it again. So thank you very much. Guys, I hope to see you guys in Redlands. And just know, February 19th, Vegas, it's on with Brian Callen. And then the Hammer of the Gods tour. We're doing New, New Orleans again, uh, uh, Tennessee, and Georgia. So grab your tickets there. I love you all very much. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. And I look forward to hearing your feedback. Thank you guys so much. Take care. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack, Tim foil hack, Tim foil hack.